1: Welcome to Backstory Song, I'm your host, Doug Burke, and today we're here with Davey Allen of the band Davey Allen and the Midnights. Davey Allen is a Los Angeles-based touring musician with the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Eric Burton and the Animals. Unable to control his personal creative instincts and surrounded by fantastic Los Angeles session musicians, Davey formed Davey and the Midnights and began writing and arranging songs for the band to perform. He combines traditional country blues and psychedelia to create an electric highway sound in the vein of Graham Parsons, J.J. Cale, and the Grateful Dead. This is Doug Burke with Backstory Song. I'm here with Davey Allen of Davey Allen and the Midnights, and we're going to talk about your new EP and some of the songs on it. Sounds great. So first off, why did you become a songwriter?
2: Well,
0: I see life in a very particular way of um, a group of stories, and I love songwriters in specific that are able to tell a story without being too right on the nose about it and can create a vibe around a story. And I think because of my outlook on life, I'm able to use songwriting to see the world. Otherwise, if there's no filter, it's too right on for me, you know, as a person. So songwriting helps me digest the world
1: around me. And when did you get hit with this muse?
0: As early as I can remember, singing songs before I could write or read. Really? Forever, yeah. I mean, I've for as long as I can remember, I've been writing songs of melodies in my head, and it's just, it's always been there. Like in kindergarten? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's uh, I, I would be embarrassed if they found their way <laughs> to someone that could listen to it, but there's cassettes that my parents recorded of me singing there's videos home videos of me writing songs as a three-year-old a four-year-old and singing into my grandmother's cane like it was a microphone
1: really really bizarre stuff almost from birth huh <laughs> yeah truly so we're here to talk about your new ep which is eponymously named i guess davy and the midnights it, it's not on there but it, it's the full moon ep the full moon ep okay yeah. which song do you want to start with science of gravy let's start from the top okay so tell me the backstory.
0: Right, right. It's a very interesting name. My my grandfather, Paul David Allen the 1st. I'm Paul David Allen the 3rd legally, not Davy. But since I was born, just like the music, I've been known as Davy, not Paul. But my grandfather Paul the 1st, he would always say we would sit down to dinner and he would say, "I don't use butter if I have gravy." And I just accepted that for my entire life until I got to, I don't know, my teenage years, my early adult years. And I was like, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> and I don't know. And I'm not, I don't even know if he knows really what it means. But it took on a life of its own, the saying, I don't use butter if I have gravy. So as a way to honor my grandparents, who I love very, very much and were very important to me growing up, I wrote this song for them. And it's kind of, it's about my grandfather, but it's more about them as a couple, my grandparents, and their relationship. And the first verse is a, their routine that I remember as a child. was so my grandfather, who was still working at the time, would get up at 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning, and my grandmother would be up right before him cooking sausage, cooking eggs, getting breakfast ready, getting his lunch ready, and he would leave as a truck driver, and he would drive to Chicago, which is two-and-a-half, three-hour drive, And he would drive back and maybe do that two or three times a day.
1: And that was their routine. And that's basically what the first verse is about. So you grew up in Indiana? Were they in Indiana as well? Still are, Okay. Yeah, northwest Indiana. Northwest what What town is that? It's Monticello. Okay. It's
0: Monticello. And it's even people who founded it named it after Thomas Jefferson's home, Monticello, his estate. But for some reason, I don't know if it's the dialect or whatever, but it's Monticello, yeah.
1: So Monticello is two and a half hours from Chicago and your grandpa would run a rig, a 16-wheeler, 18-wheeler, sorry.
0: Yeah. Up there and back, hauled for a company called, he worked for many different companies, worked as a private driver, you know, he was working independently. But then when I was born and he was, his last years of work, he was working for Landis Plastics and they had plants in Chicago and Louisville and Monticello and Ohio and other places and Yeah. There's a bit of a folklore around the family in our hometown because they were very wealthy
1: and they had a vacation home in our hometown. It's pretty wild. And your grandparents had some messages, I guess, that are in the song for you that you absorb. They gave you love without pretense and always handing out food and compliments. Right. They also told you to pull on through. What does that mean?
0: Pull on through. I think the lyric before about someone's got to lose, you know, I can vividly remember them at a basketball game of mine when I was young. And the team that I was on was very good. And we were winning all the time. And then we lost. And I can remember in the moment, being near tears as a child, upset about the loss. And they immediately took me aside and said, well, someone's got to lose. Think about all the times that you won. And someone had to feel that, you know. And kind to see the, the reverse of your situation.
2: They tell me, baby, someone has got to lose. Won't you pick your head up?
1: Come on and pull on through. I like that message. And they had a dog. Yeah, they sure did. And what was the dog's name? Chloe. And that that didn't make it to the song. You left it anonymous, is that right? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. It, initially, I think it did have the dog specific name, but I think it's easier for people to wrap their own situations and hang their hat on it if it's more anonymous.
1: And what kind of dog was that? Uh, a Oh, really? Yeah. And so this is a note to your grandparents. And tell me about the like. How did the song come to you? And how fast did you write it? Did you?
0: I think it started as a. Um, a project: some of my songs come to me right away, and they're written in a matter of minutes. This one was more over weeks. I was writing a verse here and a verse there, and it got up to seven or eight verses, and I took it down to, I think the song that version has three or four. I have a more uh, just a, a few years old version that had four or five verses, so it's got to the core of it now, over, I guess years, yeah, still reworking it.
1: And you're a multi-instrumentalist. That's correct. What do you play on this song?
0: On this track, I play guitar. And I think that's it. There's a piano in it at some point that's very low in the mix.
1: I think I played that as well. And so tell me about the production. Where do you record this?
0: recorded at a, a studio that we're a part of in El Segundo, California. It's in a very interesting part of the town because the town's going through a lot of changes currently with the housing the way that it is in Southern California. And this kind of overlooked portion of the town where it's a lot of industry and warehouses has kind of become an interesting place for breweries and people who are moving from out of town. And our studio that we're a part of is kind of the standalone little cottage amongst all of these buildings and industry and we're right next to an oil refinery and over just a quarter of the mile is the LAX airport and kind of in a really weird spot.
1: And so this is you and your band, no session musicians,
0: no session musicians.
1: Tell me about your band.
0: Yeah. Five of us total on the record, Corey Dawson on bass on that particular track. We have a few drummers that we use because of schedules and, Thankfully, people's success were able to go through different drummers. On that track, it's Dustin Kester, who I also play with in Eric Burden's band. And we're both from Indiana. And you found yourself in L.A.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, and this it, is Eric Burden and the Animals. You guys correct, are the backing yeah. band for we're him the, on we're the tour. Backing, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah.
0: And in the studio, if anything ever gets released, but <laughs> maybe not.
1: <laughs> science of gravy. What's the science of gravy? Don't use... Butter with your gravy? Don't use butter if you have gravy. Or I don't use
0: butter if I have gravy. It's not, I don't even think you, it's not even telling someone they should or shouldn't. It's just saying it's a it's a matter of fact. I don't use butter if I have gravy. That's the type of person that I am. I think that's the declaration.
1: <laughs> well, I like the language of the song. I like the onions uh, being cut on a board. You can almost smell it uh-huh. in, in the song. You could smell the food from your grandmother and... Grandpa heading off to Chicago. What else do you want to say about Science of Gravy?
0: I don't know. I, 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 the song is so near and dear to me. It's hard to even perform sometimes if I'm in a particular mood without getting emotional about it because it is such a, a love letter to my grandparents and to how thankful I am for them in my life. How did they react the first time you played it? to them. Yeah, my grandfather. I don't. I think it was this time. He has a hard time. I think showing his emotion in a more overt way. I think he pretended like he had a cramp in his leg and left the room or something. You know? <laughs> so
1: he could cry in private? <laughs> yeah, I think
0: so. Yeah, yeah. That was what I got from it. So I know it meant a lot to
1: him. He, and he mentions it, you know. He mentions it now? Could, does he ever ask for the song? Could you play Science of Gravity for uh, me? He, he, <laughs> he
0: asks, oh, you know, how, how's it doing? Do people like it? You know, he's interested in the song. Like, is it a good song? Because he appreciates it on a particular level. And I think that he wants to know that other people appreciate it as well. Do they come to your shows? When we're in Indiana and the setting is right, yes, they show their support.
1: Is there a a venue in Monticello that you play?
0: Oddly enough, there's a couple. It's a small town, 5,000 people. Because it's on a lake and near Chicago on any given weekend, there can be 75,000 people, 100,000 people there in the area. And so there's... Indiana Beach, which unfortunately after 94 years just a month ago closed, but it was a gas gig before the interstate system, Highway 421 from Chicago to Indianapolis. And in the 60s, before bands started to play in theaters, they had Janis Joplin, The Who, The Yardbirds come through and play our small little town. So there's a rich history of music there. So when I was growing up, I would play at Indiana Beach in the Sky, or not the Sky Room, but the roof garden lounge <laughs> and then there's also a boat on the river that has music the madam carol we're playing there this summer june 28th and it you know it goes out for two runs you know it's like two sets you and then he comes back docked. you can stay on if you want the second one's more raucous usually and uh, you play on the boat yeah it's great
1: oh, maybe your grandparents will take that trip with you i hope so
2: one, two, three. One, two. Three. Little sis, little sis, please take the reins. My body is weary, but the band still must play. Little sis, little sis, how far we must go How many more songs left in this show Little sis, little sis, I remember it well The night that I threw all my chips down Sunset and claw. Sunset and
1: claw. Next on the record is Little Sis. You seem to like to write about your family. Is it? Do you have a sister? I do. This song didn't start about her. Okay. But she's in it. I put her in it.
0: But it didn't start about her at all.
1: And what's it about?
0: Well, the first verse, it's just, I like the idea of little sis. I didn't realize that it was like, uh, maybe moniker is not the right, it's not a a, a term of endearment or something like that. Anyways, in the South, and I heard Willie Nelson play last summer, saw him for the first time in person. And his sister, who's his, actually his older sister, Bobby, they call her little sis, and she's two years older than Willie. It's crazy, right? Uh, Yeah, she's, I mean, she's almost 90 so I was like, I got to write something for Sister Bobby, you know, because like, that's just too good. Little sis, this, like, that's the gem of that whole family story, the traveling band. And it started off. So the first verse, something that I heard in an interview Willie say about Bobby was that when the show gets too out of control or he needs to find himself or center himself he feels so comfortable with her. He just throws her the reins and she'll go off on the piano and he'll step away and collect his thoughts and, you know, come back and be ready for the next spot. So the, the lyrics, the little sis, little sis, please take the reins. My body is weary. The band still must play. It's about like, oh, man, how
1: much more of this do we got to go? <laughs> and That's the first verse. So this is about Willie Nelson's older sister. Yeah, yeah, Little Sis. Little Sis Bobby.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh,
0: no kidding. I never would have guessed that. That's amazing. Yeah, well, the first verse, and then the second verse is a different Little Sis.
2: Little sis, little sis, I remember it well. The night that I threw all my chips down the way. Little sis, little sis, said I gave.
0: The second verse is Miley Cyrus, who also her family as like a term of endearment. I don't know what what we would call that. Like, um, oh, well, little sis. They call her little sis in the family. And I have a very particular Miley Cyrus story that's the verse I first moved to Los Angeles. I had kind of a small little deal with a person who owned a small recording studio, a nice recording studio in L.A., and he was pretty much financing my releases. We released uh, an EP, and we had the release party at the Viper Room. One of my friends, another guy who plays with me in the Eric Burden band, Jonzo, he did a song with Miley a few years back, a Bob Dylan cover, You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When You Go, and they have a relationship, and they're close And so he invited her to the release party because his band was also releasing some music. I was releasing music. It was just a new L.A. experience for me. I hadn't been there very long. First time at the Viper Room? First time at the Viper Room, you know. And then the curtain opens up at the Viper Room, and uh, it's Miley Cyrus, like, sitting right there the whole show. I was just having the time of my life. No worries. I felt like I had, you know, done the whole thing. And outside, she came up to me and just, you know, came up and said, wanted to show how much she appreciated the music. And it was a cool moment. Like she made that moment happen. So it made me feel good that I didn't have to search anybody out, you know? So it was cool.
1: And so did you find out that night that she was called Little Sis? And you're you're like, oh, that's the second verse no, of my song? No, no, like, no. Well, like, was, when did yeah, it come to
0: you? That- the song came years later, seven years, six years later, but I knew through conversation with. About Miley, that the family called her "Little Sis,"
1: and so tell me about the verse that's about Miley Cyrus here.
0: Oh yeah, that's the one. It's uh, "Little Sis, Little Sis." Um, I remember it well. The night that I threw all my chips down the well. Yes, because I thought I had made it. You know, that was the thing. I this is it right here. You wrote that down. <laughs> chips down the well. What does yeah. that mean? Chips. I I don't know. The imagery to me is uh, that I'm I'm, I'm I'm all in on this thing. Like I know I'm I'm going to be staying here. This is my
1: life. I'm accepting this as my life. Uh And you talk about Sunset and Clark, and I was like, is that Los Angeles? He's from Indiana, but the Viper Room is on Sunset and Clark. Yeah, I think Clark might be on the other end of the street because we were smoking weed or something Uh like that. We were just down from it,
0: but not right in front of the club, but yeah, right in that area,
1: yeah. And are there any other little sisters in this yeah, song? Yeah, okay. so the, the, last,
0: the last verse is my little sis. That's okay. The, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, my little so sis. So seven years sis.
1: later, you said, all right, I got <laughs> Willie Nelson's older sister. Yeah, yeah. I got Miley Cyrus. Who else can I come up with for the third yeah, verse?
0: Yeah, and my little sister, Carrie Lynn. Carrie Lynn Allen. Yep. We we're close in age, a year and a half apart. People always thought we were twins. We look so much yes, alike. we call that Irish twins. Irish twins. Is that right? Yes. I've so, never heard that yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, Irish twins. Okay.
1: I'll have to tell her about. I that. have an Irish twin. Uh-huh. She's 16 months younger than I am. Uh huh. She calls herself the accident. Oh, is that is that because
0: <laughs> she, the, ca- she calls her the, the accident? The accident. Oh, okay. Does that have to do with like contraception? And is that the yeah, Irish yeah, part? Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you just had a baby, and now you're having another right. one right, for right, goodness' right. sake. Yeah. You know. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Totally get that. Yeah. So my little sister. Yeah, she, she still lives in Indiana. It's tough being away from family because I don't have any other family that my wife, my, my wife now, you know, she's my family in California, but otherwise my family is far away. And I think that's what I was trying to communicate in that verse is that no matter whether I'm there or here, trouble's going to find you. And I think if you hold close to the ties of your family, knowing your family, even if you are far away, that you can still be with those people in the times of need.
2: Little sis, little sis, how far I'd go while you remain closer to home, little sis.
1: Yeah, it really felt like you were um, providing some brotherly advice here. <laughs> Maybe, to, I don't know. To me, subconsciously. Anything unique about the production of this? The same well, recording
0: studio? This, this one is a little bit different because I had just gotten back from a tour with Eric Burden. And, and the tour, it, it didn't go badly. It was just I was feeling like I hadn't been as productive with my own music as I should be kind of looking like, okay, I, I feel like I've, done, I've accomplished this thing. I play with Eric Bird and, like, I, I, you know, I've something, that's, that's something. Oh, yeah. But where do I stand with my own music? And so when I got back, I already had a rehearsal space in Inglewood at the time. Inglewood, California, also close to the airport, just on the other side of the airport. I made it a point to go in every day when I came home from the tour. And I hadn't planned on this being on any type of releasable thing. I just kind of wanted to see if I could do it on my own. And I uh, had my acoustic guitar and it's the whole song is just me except for the dobro part is a uh, Brandon Conway uh, who plays pedal steel in our band. So this one is kind of a more DIY and decided afterwards to include it with this because Brandon was on it and it's a song that we perform as a band, but the, The instrumentation on this one is mostly me.
1: I noticed uh, several of your songs have Dobro on them. Yep. Dobro, pedal steel. You use a lot of creativity with the strings. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yes. Or a musical band.
1: Yeah. And most of that's yourself or when you're on tour or in the Um, recording studio, you, you use others as well.
0: Well, it depends on the tour. We're pretty far away from home right now, so we're we we bring the three piece out into new territory. But when we travel with the guys, it's uh I play acoustic and piano and there's an electric guitar player, Greg Cahill, Brandon Conway on pedal steel. Okay.
1: So this is a stripped down show that I saw.
0: That correct. Yes.
1: Yeah. And your bass player's wearing a dress That's, like Scary yeah. Farrell style?
0: Yeah. It? I, I'm. Not, I don't know that
1: reference. Perry Perry Farrell from uh, uh, Jane's Addiction. He oh, he oh, wears a right? dress on stage. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, 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 he yeah, does. Yeah, he is yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, and yeah. You know, I, his name came up recently. My friend Nick Mayberry, he great LA, guitar player. Yeah. He he plays with.
1: What's his name again? Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Perry Farrell. Perry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the costuming, yeah, it's a little different, yeah,
0: yeah. And Corey, Corey does a great job because, um, he has a lot of different dresses that he wears, and a lot of them are bedazzled in a particular way that he's done, embroidered. And he, he the thing about it was that when we first started playing, he didn't really have the style quite down, you know. So, I think along the way. People have helped him you know get the correct makeup that accentuates the dress with the shoes and the nails, and so now he has a i think a bit more i don't think he would have a problem with me saying that I appreciate it very much that he's done a great job my my nails are so dirty he <laughs> all his nails always look so good.
2: I'm star for starlight And I can't find you my peace of mind
1: The next song on your EP.
0: Yeah, also about the river I grew up on in Monticello. It's technically a lake. There were two dams that were put into the area in the 1920s. The Oakdale Dam was later. The Norway Dam, which I grew up near, uh, made a lake out of the Tippecanoe River. Then they call it Lake Schae- Schaefer Lake and later became Lake Schaefer. But the song in particular, or the emotion that I wanted to give from the song, I had this thing at a certain point where I was itching to go, leave, before I could. And I knew geographically that the water that was coming right by my room would flow into the Wabash River, into the Ohio River, into the Mississippi River, and all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. And if I wanted to, I could get in a canoe or a kayak and you'd have to get out and go around. But I could, if I really wanted to, I could do it. And for some reason that provided some comfort for whatever reason.
1: So the actual river is the Tippecanoe River. Tippecanoe, yeah. The the famous saying, Tippecanoe and Tyler too. Of course. Um, Who were they? Do you remember where you (laughs) taught them in history? Yeah, yeah. Because you lived there?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, I am a fan of history, so it's hard to tell if I would have known. But yeah, William Henry Harrison. He's a, there's a, a battleground near where we grew up in between our town and Lafayette, which is the next big town where Purdue University is in West Lafayette. And it's called battleground. It's a town, and it's the Battle of Tippecanoe. And William Henry Harrison was kind of like the hero of the battle, ran for president as a, he was like the average Joe type of guy. He'd go around and he'd have a drink with you, old tip. But then he gave the longest inauguration speech in history. And died of pneumonia a month later. Yeah. So also the shortest presidency, I think.
1: That's what he's famous for. <laughs> yeah, Tippecanoe and Tyler, too. And this river is Tippecanoe, named, and yeah. and that was named after some general in the war? Or uh, who is Tippecanoe?
0: There's Tippecanoe River, which flows up to... Um, oh, that sounds Tippecanoe. like an Indian word. It is. Okay. It's the Tippecanoe River. I believe it's the Potawatomi Indians. Uh, that may be wrong, but but there is... Um, it's actually a really dark history, and it's embarrassing, but it's the tribe that lived near the mouth of the Tippecanoe River were kind of rounded up and marched to Kansas at one point. So the Cherokee Indians have the Trail of Tears and the Pottawatomie Indians have the Trail of Death that comes right through that area, huh. along that river.
1: And is that in the song? Because it's not one of your more upbeat songs. No, it's
0: not. I have a song that's not on this record that is about that particular um, incident. But this one is is more of a... It's slower... But I think the,
1: the language is more positive. Right. The old river is telling you what? It's a way to get out of Monticello? Because it can get you to the Gulf of Mexico <laughs> no, if you I mean, keep that, going?
0: That was the, <laughs> that was the kind of the surface level thing. But I, I think that solace, and, and to put me in my place and to show that, to look at the river and to see how it erodes and see how it just constantly goes, and nothing's going to stop that, you know, or it'd be it's difficult. Right? I live next to the dam, so. But the idea of being able to push through and to move on and things naturally move to not feel I was wrong in in my thinking.
1: Some lines really caught my attention. Oh, blind forgiveness. Yeah. I've
0: learned to lie.
1: I think it's a Midwestern thing, maybe.
0: Sometimes you repress your feelings as to not offend someone. And it ends up making the situation more difficult and you're lying to them and you're lying to yourself. And yeah, blind forgiveness, what have you taught me? to, 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 to Just to forgive blindly. It's, I mean, I grew up in a religious household, and we were always taught to forgive, and that's a very important thing and a very important process of asking for forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. And it was always like, you can have pride and humility, I think. It was a race to, to forgive, and that's not how that process is, works in a healthy way, in my opinion. And so I think that as I grow, as we all grow, I'm looking back and thinking, well, it's it's not a race to forgiveness. You, it's good to to step back and see how does this thing affect me. How do I go forward in a relationship if it's with another person or or whatever? You know, how do you reconcile it within yourself? And that's not always the quickest thing to do, or it's not the most healthy thing to do it quickly.
1: <laughs> and later in the song, you say, "I believe in madness." Yeah.
2: I believe in madness, you believe in mercy, it takes all kinds. It takes all kinds. I believe
0: in madness, you believe in mercy, and it takes all kinds. I realize that my, I don't know if it's a philosophy, but my life choices are done more in a short-term viewpoint, you know, compared to other, my, my peers, people I grew up with and things like that. And I think the mercy is, uh, I'm not for sure any, what that meant now. I know it means, <laughs> it, 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 for me now, it talks about the thing we were just talking about, the blind forgiveness, but my madness is just different and it's okay to be different and it takes all kinds. We have to live with one another. The last chorus is different from the other choruses, and it's, um, you've been by my side, given hope in disguise, your watery flow. And I always really like that, that line right there that just makes me smile when we finish the song.
1: I just like the way it flows together. Really nice, beautiful song.
2: What she needs For I've always made to please Yes, even now I play her games As I walk Down into the flames I've got to go
1: One of my favorite songs. I saw you finish your show with Wish Me to Hell. Yeah. It's a great closing song. I think probably in your set list you might keep it there or, or generally. Generally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> then it didn't used to be that. We used to close with a different one. In the last six months or so, that's become our closer.
1: I guess this is a breakup song or.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in Indiana living and. You had a relationship uh, that went south rather quickly, rather. Pretty far south. <laughs> pretty far south. <laughs> and unexpectedly, you know, it caught me off guard, swept me off my feet a bit. And it, and it worked out in a particular way. It was the best thing that could possibly happen to me. And uh, I didn't see it that way at the time. It's funny how things appear with distance. But yeah. I've got to go. I've got to fly. That's how I knew like immediately when it happened and before my feet had even hit the ground, when they got swept out, I knew I was ready for a new lease on life. And it was provided to me by my lovely wife, Abigail. Now we're married, but she was moving to California and we went on a few dates and she said, Hey, I've got to go. And I was like, well, I'm just going to come along. You know, this sounds great if you don't mind. (laughs) So that's how my life in California started. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta fly too. And hop on that <laughs> yeah, airplane yeah. with her, huh? Yeah, or did yeah.
1: you drive cross country? <laughs> Let's see. Well,
0: she went out first. She, so I, because like you know, I wasn't prepared to go just that quick. So she lived in West Hollywood with family, with her brother-in-law, my now brother-in-law and, and sister-in-law. I stayed in Indiana for the summer and I played piano at the amusement park across the lake. I canoed over and took a little songbook and played in the lounge and played in the uh, dining room. And a few months then that fall. I drove out. We didn't. Actually, we didn't have a car at first. I flew back, got a car, and drove it out.
1: So, wish me to hell. You break up with this girl. I guess this girl breaks up with you. I'm not sure exactly how. It so happened. mutual. I may have been
0: drinking heavily, you know. <laughs> <in the moment>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when does the song come to you after the breakup? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I I was really against it because she said something that just really. Pissed me off that something like, oh, maybe you can just write a song about the whole thing and get over it. And I was like, well, that is just so rotten to say. So I didn't, you know, for a long time. I think I had been in California a few years and then kind of was like, okay, well, now it's time to write it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you couldn't do it because she told you right, to do it. Exactly. <laughs> but now, yeah. You yeah. <laughs> and did, she, have you
1: seen her? Does she know this song's no. about her? No, oh, yeah. she, she mean, does she, now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I just like how upbeat this song is and and uh, I like the way your your bass player like jumps around the stage. And- oh yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the one any gas left in the tank. You put it you put it right there. Yeah. And tell me about the
1: song. Tell tell me about the music.
0: Oh, the, the music music-wise. Oh yeah. Well, the instrumentation, this is like especially when we, you saw us as the mm-hmm. three piece. But when we have the full band for the release and for when we do our California tours. It's like a pedal steel and electric guitar jam. You know, it goes back and forth. It's high energy. And Brandon on pedal steel and Greg Cahill on electric guitar. The song initially didn't have this middle section, but at a live show, I think maybe at Pappy and Harriet's one time, we were just trying to extend it to let the party keep going. And we kind of got into this really cool walk down, walk up situation. And then eventually in the rehearsal studio, we put this kind of and it's like really high energy and really fun. And and in the live show, especially with the pedal
1: steel and the electric, it's just like the roof blows off. What would you call your style of music? What, What category? Every artist hates to be categorized. And so maybe it's not fair. Like it's okay if you want to use 20 different labels here, you know, when you describe your sound that you're going for on your music.
0: First and foremost, from my perspective, it's a singer songwriter Americana band, because these are songs that I'm mostly writing and bringing to the table. And then these guys, these amazing musicians play and make it to the next level. You know, I have the song mostly written, but they're adding instrumental parts like, the wish me to hell, break down like that. Now I've forgotten the question. Sorry.
1: No, no. What the category of song Americana? Oh that's yeah, good. That's kind of where I would put you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes we're folk. You sometimes country.
1: Sometimes country, a, and definitely
0: some rock. Yeah, and it's classic a, rock. Classic too, rock, you know? definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. I call that Canadian rock. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Because it came from Neil Young. I and... <laughs> just this is like yeah, I guess so. I this is but the vibe I get.
1: Him. Your last song on your EP, is Sad Souls, mm-hmm. Old Guy Clark. Yeah. You grew up listening to him? Not really.
0: No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't grow up listening to him. I think I was uh, a teenager and there was a record store. I used to go to J and L records. I think the name is in West Lafayette, Indiana, J and L. I think so, but I would go there and they had all these great, great vinyl records, just a great selection for the town. You know, it was just like, I couldn't believe that was something I could get in Lafayette. And when I would go, there was a DVD section and I the Heart Worn Highways DVD, which was a Towns Van Zant thing, and that's how I discovered Guy Clark through Towns. I knew about Towns, then discovered Guy and Susanna, and then started listening to his music as, like, in my twenties, mid twenties, I'd say. And did he inspire the sad souls? Not necessarily. I think that's kind of the the point of the song is to say that sad songs and sad souls and people that are sad. There's this idea that these people are not enjoying life to the fullest or something, that combined with our mental health crisis in the United States and the world, it's important that we recognize our sadness and release and remove the stigma of being sad. Because I think a, a level person is sad and also happy. And if you're sad, you can enjoy the happy times more. And Fake happiness is not true happiness. And putting on a face and putting on a makeup and for all this, not little makeup, but putting on a face. We all do it to an extent, but it's not healthy to live your entire life like that.
1: This song is one that your religious foundation comes through in the line, Let's Join in This Communion.
0: It's funny, when I wrote it, it wasn't intentional. It just seemed to fit. And then it, as I listened to the song and as the song morphed, and I think there was a different verse in a rewrite here and there, I was like, oh, wow, this, this has got some serious religious overtones. It goes back to, I grew up playing in the church. I, like, from 15, 16 years old, I was leading the band, the choir, and, and doing that. What was the name of the church? Lake Schaefer Christian Center. It's the first assemblies of God, Pentecostal, Acts chapter 2, believing, gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, dancing in the aisle. Yeah. Get out. Go hey, on. The whole thing. Sounds good. Sounds oh, like it, a good show. It's a great show. <laughs> and you know, that's and that's kind of where I learned the arc of a show and how to entertain people and how to keep people's attention to do it without, you know, hopefully without them knowing about it. And I just said this recently to someone else, but like as I've grown in that. There's an added responsibility when people come to you, and that's the point that we were talking about, is that the sad souls, people are coming and wanting to be filled. People, generally, that I've found, they come to a show, and they want to experience, and they want to be filled up with something. We are giving them something, and then they give it back to us, and it can happen multiple times within the show, this transference of energy, but I find it's our responsibility to put out good vibrations in this transference
1: of energy, because it happens. So Dear Johnny left us on the 4th of July, and Dear Abby, she missed out. Yeah. Are these people you know? Are these? This is
0: a, So I was writing. I had the last verse, and I had the first verse I needed, and it was just like too short. And I was like writing early in the morning, my wife, Abigail. I don't think we were married at the time. We weren't married at the time. She was, I don't know, making breakfast or doing something in the kitchen. And I said, Abby, name a president I should write about. And she said, uh, John Adams. So it's John Adams. It's about John. I don't know if he's a sad soul or not. This, this verse <laughs> is kind of like, I don't know how it fits in exactly, but it's you know, people can hang their hat on. Well he left want. on the
1: 4th of July. That's yeah. a sad story, right?
0: right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did. He died on the 4th of he July. He did. I didn't know that. And, uh, he died, and his wife tried to make it back. Oh, Ab- Abby. Abigail Adams. Abigail Adams. Tried to make it back before he passed. And it was rather quick. And she didn't make it back. She not in time before he passed.
1: Oh, that's what that's about. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so I wrote it, you know, real quick. It was just like that. And that was the verse. There we go.
1: <laughs> I was like it was Dear Abby from the column.
0: <laughs> well, then once I wrote it, then I was like, okay, this works. Because Dear John, like it's a Dear John letter or something. And Dear Abby, the columnist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's funny.
1: And then I like that you go into a guitar break. You don't actually have a break in the song, right? Or no, It's just really. a guitar break.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just the chorus progression again repeated a few times and live, we build it up, build it up, build it up, build it up, build it up. up. Usually when Greg's playing guitar. Oh, he rips on that one. Yeah. That musical break was definitely for his guitar. When
1: you write the song, do you like guitar break? And just like, (laughs) sometimes do you actually write the breakout on your guitar? No, not. I might have a line
0: Uh that are like a little lick that I have and it's happened that I'll bring the lick and then, you know, immediately within a minute the dudes are playing something way cooler that I could never even begin to play.
1: So they're uh, so good. Huh? Yeah. Oh, they're this amazing. They're the top notch LA session uh, musicians. I would put them around. up against any other dudes around. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Eric Burden won't play with any amateurs. <laughs> I know that. And you're drinking table wine from a big old jug at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um the drummer Mike Sanson
0: and myself. We lived in Indianapolis. At the time, we were pretty dirt poor, and that's all we could afford was to get the big Carl Rossi jug, and we'd sit on our porch just to pass the time, maybe pick a little guitar and pass this big old jug around. On Broad Ripple Street.
1: It's it's, it's,
0: (laughs) it's off of Broad Ripple Avenue. Broad Ripple Avenue. Yeah, yeah. We were on- That's a great name. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? (laughs) We lived in like South Broad Ripple. It's like a little village within Indianapolis. And uh, yeah, we lived on Carrollton Avenue. Anything else you want to talk about on Sad Souls? Well, the studio work. Yeah, that one's that one's interesting because we had decided to do this EP a few months back and Old River as well will go along with the sad soul thing is that we recorded Science of Gravy. We recorded Wish Me to Hell, Little Sis, and I brought to the table that I had done on my own with Brandon. And it was like, okay, this is like looking like an EP. And it's like, what else we got? And I got, went through the computer of things that we had recorded, demos we had recorded over the last two or three years. And that Sad Souls and Old River were demos we had done at our old space in El Segundo, or rather in Inglewood. And I was like, I think we can salvage these. I'll put a new vocal on them, and we'll do a nicer acoustic thing. And that's what it is. It was like two years old on the production. And it's Mike on the drums, Mike Sanson on the drums. And also that last verse... The Broad Ripple sitting on the porch. I really like Kurt Vonnegut. And he's like, used to live in that neighborhood and get out and used to drink, supposedly, as the legend goes, drink at the uh, Red Key, which is a bar on Broad Ripple, or no, on College Avenue. I'm sorry, on College Avenue. I feel like a connoisseur of bars. And the Red Key is one of my favorite of all time. It's great.
1: In Indianapolis, that's the place yep. to go.
0: Yep. They got rules. No uh, jackets on the back of your chair. There's no jukebox while is being played. And uh, the, no moving the furniture either. <laughs> Euchre's? Like Bob Euchre?
1: What's Euchre? Euchre is a, oh, a card car, game. It's, a car, it's like a in, in Indiana, yeah, very yeah, Indiana yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Midwest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can't play the jukebox while people are playing Euchre? Yeah, no. Uh, you have to talk while you're playing Euchre? This is just...
0: I, I think or just so. It's a serious I, game. I, I you got to concentrate I'm not for sure. When I I know the gentleman is passed on, but the owner of the bar when I was there was in his nineties, I think, and he was coming in and having euchre games during the day. And I was a musician, you know, so I'd be in there during the day playing the piano. They have a piano. They used to it at least, you know, I'd play jukebox. And then whenever he was ready to play, they'd come in and be like, "Turn it off." And the bartender would have to remind me, like, "Hey, it's euchre today." <laughs> oh, that's a
1: great story. Well, I got to thank you, Davey Allen, from the band Davey and the Midnights. How'd you come up with the name?
0: We had a couple ideas floating around, just people, um, Davey and this, and I can't remember all the ideas, but that one was just the one that I thought was like, okay, that's the one. Later on, we found out there was uh, Bobby in the Midnight's Bobby Weir from the, the Yeah. Dead. He did do that. Honestly, people are like, eh. I, we we played at Terrapin Crossroads, uh, Phil Lesh's place <laughs> The yeah, on yeah, this yeah. tour. You have played there. This is a third time that we played there, and we always have a great time. But every time someone comes up and they're like, "So, Davy in the Midnight's, what? Where, where'd you get that from?" You know, like, and they, I think, baiting me for the Bobby in the Midnight's. But honestly, I had I had no idea at the time. But
1: it was. Uh, What's it like playing Phil's place there? Oh, it's a blast. Is it a blast?
0: It's a blast. Yeah, it's there's, there's a good vibe around. And uh, I think each time we've played, the experience has gotten better and better. Uh-huh. And, and they treat you well. And I think one time we played, it was like nice and sunny so we could be outside. And uh-huh. But we've mostly played in the bar, not in the great room. The great room is where they do the showcases. And we're more traveling through town, showing off what we
1: got. Hopefully sell some T-shirts. One day you'll make the great room. We'll
2: see. Yeah. yeah you're we'll on see. your way. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming.